Today we have Steve Louie on the show. Do you want to achieve fantastic freedom of time? Steve Louie is an entrepreneur and real estate investor who found a way to achieve freedom of time. He's invested in over 3,000 units, including eight properties in Arizona as a general partner. Steve went from cubicle to corner office and then to full-time real estate investor. Steve believes his journey is life-changing, and he wants to help others do the same. If you're looking for an alternative way of living your life, then listen to this episode. This could be the best decision you ever make. Before we jump into the intro, we are so close. We are currently at 298 five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and are shooting to get to the 300 mark. We just need two more. Please go to Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe, and please select the five-star review. Thank you in advance for stepping up. Now, on to the intro. Welcome to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show. Each week, you will learn how to grow your wealth through real estate investing, be introduced to the players that are getting it done, and learn how you can get involved. And now, here's your host, Darren Batchelder. A little background on Steve Louie before we start the show. Steve lives in California with his family. He spent the bulk of his career in the insurance industry and climbed the ranks from cubicle to corner office. He then found apartment investing and recently quit his W-2 job to go full-time as a real estate investor. Steve leverages his vast experience managing teams in the insurance industry to managing teams in the investing space. Now, onto the show. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest here with us. We've got Steve Louie. Steve, really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Darren. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. So it's funny, um, a little bit on how I know Steve. I joined, we both were part of the same multifamily mentorship group. And I probably joined, I don't know, three and a half years ago. And one of the first you know, there was an event on, I don't know, a Saturday and Friday night, there was a happy hour. And so I went to the happy hour. I didn't know anybody. And Steve was one of the guys that I met there and he was pretty new in the business as well. And, uh, you know, we kind of hung out and swapped stories and, um, and he's had a ton of success since then. So I am really looking forward to to this conversation. Um, Steve, typically, First question, how many properties and how many units are you currently invested in? Yeah, no, thanks for the uh, great introduction. I'm invested in about 3,000 units and uh, a general partner on about 1,000 units. And uh, we have uh, eight properties that I'm a GP on as well, uh, specifically in the Arizona marketplace. That's crazy. So did you start around the same time as me, like three years ago? Three yeah, and a half I, I years? I think I remember we were standing at the at the bar and yeah. um, 
we did uh, we, we did have a few beers while we yeah, were talking we, right we did we did and then uh it uh it kind of helped me change my mindset uh, a lot i was a corporate america guy all my life and uh doing this as somewhat of a side hustle i got introduced to multifamily and um I really doubled down in the Arizona marketplace. Uh, you know, found it a little challenging being living in California to um, uh, you know close a deal by myself in um, in in Dallas and in Texas. So, kind of took all the principles that both of you and I learned and applied them in the Phoenix Tucson marketplace. That's that's huge. So, if I recall, I could be wrong, but I want to say you were in the insurance business. Yeah, yeah. So, so what I were you what corporate, were you doing in corporate America? Yeah, I I call it a journey uh, uh, from cubicle to corner office, right? So, <laughs> started started as an underwriter uh, at uh, as on a health on the healthcare side, okay, and then um, you know worked my way up and graduated into a, a corner office in a senior executive role uh, within an organization. So, I was a W two wage earner on the insurance side. Worked for a couple uh, small companies, you know, MetLife and uh, Mercer, a uh, consulting firm. R- really and, small. And, um, you know, halfway through my uh, career journey, I, I got into real estate. So, you know, you, you made it to the corner office and that is the, that's the dream for a lot of people. I mean, you get, you know, go to school, get good grades, go to college, get good grades, get into a good company, climb the corporate ladder and, and get that corner office. So you had the corner office and you still got involved with real estate. When did you get involved with real estate um, in that whole run up to, you know, going up the corporate ladder? Yeah. You know, as, as, as I was climbing the ladder, probably halfway through my career. So I, I've been in the insurance business for uh, 25 plus years. And so halfway through the, the journey, my uh, financial planner and CPA actually mentioned that uh, you might want to consider getting into some type of real estate. And uh, because there's some uh, tax advantages that you may or may not be able to take advantage of. And so uh, I investigated that while I was uh, working and uh, I got into single family homes. And so those single family homes, I built a portfolio up to of about of 10 of those, uh, you know, including fourplexes and duplexes. And that started kind of the journey of the passive income route. And, um, and then shortly thereafter, someone introduced me. I went to a meetup, which I typically don't go to meetups. Someone at the meetup mentioned, hey, there's a conference out in Dallas that you might want to consider going to. And it's all about uh, buying apartments. And I was like, that's kind of outside of my league. I don't have time for that. I, I don't understand commercial real estate, et cetera. Right. And um, next thing you know, that's where we, I think we, that's where we actually met. Right? That was, right, right that was the, the time the when we met. Yeah. So we were, <laughs> so, we were both going to that conference for the first time. So, yeah. um, you know, let's go back to the, the first single family home. You know, so part of it was prompted by, an advisor saying, Hey, look, you may want to consider this, it, mm-hmm. you know, because of the tax advantages. Um, was that scary doing your first single family home deal? Well, especially so that there's a lot of fundamentals around single family homes too. I here living in California, um, you can make money on single family homes, but it's not as landlord friendly as some of the other States. So I chose to invest in, uh, pretty much turnkey properties outside of, uh, of California. Oh, is that and right? So my, okay. my first purchase was uh, in Ohio. I purchased uh, two 
single family homes in Ohio that uh, were, ca- were, were and still are cash flowing uh, today. You still own those properties? Yeah, I still ho- I hold uh, uh, most of my single family. I, I was uh, uh, thinking about uh, completely unloading, but when you have a passive income stream, uh, it, it kind of makes sense to keep them, at least at this this point. Um, I might change my mind, uh, you know, next year, but uh, I, I still have uh, those, those that, that portfolio. So from a listener perspective, there's some listeners that totally get passive income. There's some that are just trying to learn what the heck is passive income and others mm-hmm. that are that are in the multifamily business and they're looking to scale their business. But, you know, passive income is, is look, you're not doing anything anymore and you're, you're getting, you know, basically what mailbox money, right? So um, you're making money while you sleep per se. Um, that's the dream for a lot of people is to, you know, have enough investments that you get positive cash flow to, to um, you know, pay for your lifestyle. So, how did you go about buying those single families in Ohio living in California? I understand why you did it because, you know, in California, it's really expensive and it's hard to cash flow. Um, so you realized, hey, I need to look at a different market. Did you end up finding somebody that was boots on the ground in Ohio? How did you do that? Yeah, and the nice thing about uh, real estate in general, it's it's about building a, a strong network uh, across the board. And one of the things that I, I did, there was a, a turnkey provider out here in uh, Newport Beach that uh, focused all of their time on real estate, single family homes outside of California and uh, in the primary markets that are very landlord friendly and that uh, cash flow. And so I kind of researched that model. And uh, they led me on to all the multiple different markets that I'm in, uh, Ohio, Arizona, Texas, and Tennessee, and from a single family home perspective. And those actually match very well if you look at uh, multifamily uh, uh, investments uh, as well. And um, they connected me with uh, property managers and uh, brokers in that particular area. And they had relationships that drove that. And so it was pretty much hands off from my standpoint. I really just had to put an offer out. It was a turnkey. Uh, at that point in time, it was, uh, you know, 10, 12 years ago, it was turnkey and cash flowing with, you know, you've heard the 1% rule maybe. So 1% of the the actual uh, rent, it, uh, it's 1% of the, the uh, actual um, purchase price of the house is your rent. And so we did that and that just made sense to us and uh, started to grow that. And like I said, we got the portfolio to 10 and then I met someone that suggested I go to the multifamily, well, go, go down a multifamily route. Yeah, that's awesome. So did, what was in it for that turnkey provider? Did he get a commission or, or yeah. a piece of the deal? Or So, you know, I, that's an interesting topic in itself, just that, you know, as you go into real estate, you know, there are people that have already done what you want to do. That if you go out seeking, you know, to find those people, yeah, they may, you know, maybe they're a mentor that you have to pay to learn. Maybe they're providing a service and they get a commission. But there's a lot of people that you can leverage the experience of in real estate if if you go out and, and search for it. Um, so that's that's key that you did that. And then when somebody recommended multifamily, then you went and did the same thing. 
No, absolutely. I, I think that's, uh, you know, Tony Robbins always says success leaves clues, right? And so one of the things uh, why uh, try to go down that path yourself, you know, just we'll go back to single family. For me, with my corporate job and how busy I was trying to climb each of the climb the ladder, uh, I didn't we didn't have time to uh, research a market, figure out who the uh, the best broker was out there, figure out the property manager, went to a provider that did all of that. And they found the deals you mentioned. Um, they, they did get commission on it. So they split the commission with the broker there, but they align you with a, a great property manager. And as we all know, property management is what makes or breaks uh, the opportunity. Uh, and so, um, you know, and you can do all the same thing on multifamily. And that, that's the great thing about real estate, the networking, the potential uh, to learn from others. And you know, I like to share also what what, what I've done to, to and, and help others out uh, who are kind of seeking to get out, out out of the corporate rat race as well. Yeah, absolutely. And like, look, there's a lot of people that go down the path that you went down. They start, you know, they they start out investing in single family and then they get to a point where they're like, oh, man, I've got, you know, now my portfolio, you know, how do I go bigger and how do I scale this thing? Because it's starting to take up a lot of my time. And so then you went and sought out and you, you joined a mentorship group. And now <laughs> this is crazy. You are a GP in over a thousand units, eight properties in, in the span of like three years. So talk about how you did that. I mean, I see how you have the base, the experience of, hey, I ha- I'm going to leverage other people. I'm going to invest out of state. Um, but talk about how, how'd you get into your first multifamily deal? Yeah. Well, I think it goes back a little, Darren, on uh, the education that we both learned, right? So education and mentorship, I believe, is truly important. So a lot of the principles in the programs that we were in uh, really provided the foundation on investing. And there's a lot of folks out there that um, think they can do it on their own, and they can. They definitely can. They have the heart and the will, uh, but sometimes they just need a little bit of the guidance to get you there. And so Essentially, all of the things that I learned in uh, the, the educational program that we were both part of, I took all of that and applied it to the Phoenix marketplace and uh, for everything from. So I, I took two weeks off of my corporate job, uh, my W-2 job, and spent that in the market. One, meeting all the brokers, uh, the commercial real estate brokers and multifamily uh, connecting with all the uh, loan brokers and trying to make a decision on which one made the most sense for us connecting with all the property managers as well, and as well as contractors and spending that time in the market, finding and, and under, knowing and understanding the submarkets. And my prior background in insurance uh, uh, relates, I would say it's really synonymous with uh, the business side of it is very synonymous with the multifamily real estate brokers that are out there. So um, made a really good connection with the the real estate brokers, just because of a background. I, you know, a, a lot of people, I, I always say everybody can do the underwriting, but it takes a lot to really execute and build that relationship with, uh, with the brokers. And so that first meeting, I actually remember today, I, I went out there, uh, met with uh, 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 two brokers. And, um, you know, you, I, one of the things that I always do is bring a copy of my resume, my real estate resume, which had a lot of passive investments in it. And um, they, they saw that and they, they looked at it and, and gave me that opportunity because I was able to connect with them. So that opportunity, they said, oh, here's an opportunity. Why don't you go? We can go check it out now. 
we looked at it, and the next thing you know, uh, a week later, we closed on it. And uh, a week today, later, you closed on it, or you got in, the clothes and everything. So a week later, you closed on it, or the week later, you got yeah. it into contract. Yeah, week later. Yep, yeah, that's a uh, put it on LOI, and then okay. sixty days yeah. later, we were uh, um, we we had closed. I'm like, on that's that the shortest multifamily close I've ever heard of. That we were we closed in a week. I'm like, I haven't heard that one before. We, you'd have to have a lot of cash for that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, but you know what you brought up there is is key. Like, okay, yeah. broker relationships is something that if if you're serious about getting into multifamily, you know, the brokers on the large scale multifamily, which we kind of define as 60 units or, or greater, mm-hmm. um, the brokers control probably 80% of that market. And so, you know, when you go first meet with them or you first have call with them, um, it's a two-way street. You're trying to see whether you like the broker and want to work with that broker. And that broker is sizing you up and like, mm-hmm. look, is this guy for real? Is he committed? Does he have the resources? Um, you know, is he, is he somebody that I want to work with? Do I think yeah. he can close, you know, is he credible? And, you know, building that relationship from the get-go is, is very important. Yeah. You, one of the things too is, uh, you know, in, in meeting them, you're right. They have um, thousands of people calling them every week, right? And so they have to decipher which one is going to be the best. So the one thing that I, I tell everybody is, you have to be a little bit different. You have to stand out or have a little bit of an edge in some capacity for them to remember you. And so, you know, one of my my things that I, I love doing is, uh, you know, I don't think anybody has ever done this, but I brought them Starbucks, right? So I brought them Starbucks and pastries. And so they, they, you know, first meeting, that's what always would happen to me when I was on the insurance side, all the carriers would come to me with, you know, <laughs> with the, little gifts, and the, the right. breakfasts and the coffees and all that. So just applying all of those same principles that happen in all types of business and just bought them coffee and pastries, just with a little box, which, you know, it doesn't cost that much. Right. And they remembered me on that and they're like, wow. And, and then I would, I would also say come with a resume, right? So you come to the table with your real estate resume, that's going to help. You don't do a lot of, a lot of us just want to come and show up. They, they have to have something to remember you. And then they, they look at it and they realize, Oh, this person is credible. Even though I had had done zero deals with them and this, to this day now I've done four deals with them and we're actually unwinding one deal. We're selling one as well. So four deals with that one broker due to the initial relationship. And we joke right now, Oh yeah, you bought us, pastries for our whole office. Right. So kind of cool. That's great. That's great. Another thing you brought up was, you know, getting the uh, education. And I think that that that's important, you know, listen to podcasts, um, read books, you know, get, get an education, but a, a big value add for me in joining that group was seeing all the other people that had prior success. Right. And all of a sudden you surround yourself with all these people that they figured out how to do it. And look, they're great people. I'm glad to know them. They're yep. smart people. They come from all, you know, different industries. Uh, but, you know, you look and you're like, if they can do it, I can do it. Yep. Right. And, and so that gives also gives you the confidence that other people are, are figuring it out and you can do it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and a lot of the, a lot of it is mindset too. So the fundamentals are all, all there, but the mindset of 
you know, for me, I was much more programmed as a corporate individual, you know, take my money, invest it in a 401k, do all the right things. Uh, I was blessed to be able to uh, rise up uh, the corporate ladder. And a lot of that's through hard work, finding the right mentors for myself and people taking uh, and and taking a chance on me to take me to that next level as well. And so really just watching others and seeing their success on the multifamily side, it was a mindset shift for me. I I thought, oh, my first thing is I don't even want to go to Dallas. I'm never going to I'm never going to even get into this area, but the the person challenged me and said, "Hey, why don't you start listening to old the old Capital podcast?" I started to do that. The aha moment came about. Came out to, uh, and I don't. I usually don't fly for conferences for various conferences for anything sure. outside of my personal. My at that time, my personal work things because I was so busy. But took uh, a weekend, and that was kind of that was absolutely life changing in terms of where it established what how to build an even quicker passive income stream to allow me to exit the corporate rat race sooner. Right. So So. listeners, did you hear what he said? He said it was life changing. You know, that that's important to know is that look, it's hard work, you know, and you have to, you have to dedicate yourself to learning and then, and then taking action. But it has the opportunity to be life changing. So let's talk about that. One, um, how'd you pick the Arizona market? You know, there's a lot of, you said you wanted to invest outside of California, but why Arizona? And then two, um, when you invested in your first deal, it's my understanding that you partnered with a few folks, you know, how did you develop that partnership? So talk about both markets and, and partners. Yeah. So, so why Arizona? Um, couple things. It, it, um, it's similar to uh, uh, the, the Dallas or Texas marketplace in itself. Uh, the great thing about it, it's landlord friendly, right? So that's the most important thing. Um, and here in California, you can have somebody uh, stay in your uh, a unit for two years and never pay rent if they follow the rules appropriately. Within, That's crazy. Uh, it's, it is a little, uh, it's, it, it's different, right? And versus uh, Arizona and Texas, at least in Arizona in five days, we can actually serve notice uh, if they don't follow through with their commitment on their lease. And uh, we can have them out in a, a couple of weeks there uh, to bring in a ta- tenant that would appreciate the high quality uh, asset that we have for them. And so, and then the, it's a high rent growth. There's a, a lot of migration into the state as well. And so that migration, you'll, you, you see us, all the charts that people are migrating into Phoenix as well as Dallas. And so very similar, a lot of similarities to the Dallas marketplace. And then in, in terms of the deal, um, initially we were thinking about syndicating this opportunity, but uh, we just took it down with a joint venture of three individuals, right? So how did you meet those that I've met, met as part of the networking group? And okay. uh, we uh, um, did our due diligence. We did all the right things. And then we uh, executed uh, based on everything we learned, you know, being a first time and using kind of our own dollars to, to, to do that. And that was that was uh, that was that was pretty neat. Learned a lot through the process. Uh, we had to go through a couple different property managers uh, you know, and then we finally found one that is top notch, uh, that really met the needs, you know, so I would say that that's a key thing as you're going into the market, the property manager is really the key to the success after you, the acquisition, right? So 
we're so focused on the acquisition, but a lot of times we forget about the operations piece because everybody's training us on, hey, here's how you acquire it. And right. once you get it, what's next, right? Right, so, right. So. absolutely. So you said a few things there, um, you know, in terms of markets, you know, important for the listeners to understand, like, you know, Steve brought up a number of, of characteristics that are very important to look at in terms of what markets do you want to invest in? One, you want population and household growth, you know, you want income growth, you want job growth, you know, so when you see companies moving there and you see population growing, that's a good sign for a market. Um, you know, seeing rent growth. I mean, all of that is is a positive sign of a market. And then he mentioned landlord friendly. There are some states that, as he mentioned, California, that are not landlord friendly. They're more geared towards the tenant. And, and you could end up having tenants in your property for a long period of time, not paying rent. And you can't legally have you know, have them removed and have and bring in another tenant that would appreciate the property. Um, so those are factors that people look at in terms of the actual market to invest in. So he decided, you know, it meets all those criteria. And I, I have to imagine the fact that Arizona was pretty close to California. It was a shorter flight probably was part of why he chose it as well. Um, yeah, proximity was great. It, it's about an hour flight for me, or I can drive it at, in, in five hours. And so even during COVID, we were able to drive drive the property and uh, drive. Uh, so that's the beauty of it. Um, for the distance uh, was a little bit more challenging, but it can be done outside of state if you have the appropriate property managers in place that we that I've now vetted and have a team uh, uh, that, that, that helps us there. Yeah, that's huge. And then you partnered with a few people. You decided to take down the, the property, um, you know, with your own capital between you and a few partners. Um, but those partners you met through a multifamily mentorship group. So when we talk about proximity and like, look, the, a lot of listeners, you know, when you think about your network, you've, you know, and you say, hey, I want to get into investing in real estate and I want to get into investing in large multifamily there's going to be a lot of family and friends that are going to, are going to tell you like you're crazy. And, you know, you may let that limit your mindset and say, you know what, maybe it's for somebody else. But when you end up going and getting involved in groups that have a lot of people that ha are like-minded. So Steve goes there, he meets these other people. They want to invest in, in Arizona also. And they're like, why don't we team up? you know, and it just makes sense. And so that's huge, but you have to do the work to meet those people. You know, you have to like them, trust them and, and build that relationship. No, absolutely. It's, it's, it's a mindset shift as well. Cause the majority of us out there are, um, hardworking uh, corporate America individuals, right. Uh, and, uh, it's a little bit of a mindset shift that you have to have if you want to invest in, something that's going to be providing some tax benefits as well as uh, passive income across the board, which, as you mentioned, Darren, passive income, just it'll, it'll keep coming every every month, no matter what, whether you're um, working on the property or you're uh, on vacation. Right. So yeah, uh, that's, that, a beautiful that's the thing. beauty of passive income. And uh, I think we've been both benefactors of that. Right. Ab so. Absolutely. So how big was that first deal that you guys um 
Yes. So that that first deal was uh, 28 units. And so 28 units, uh, the price point on that, I think we bought it around 85,000 a door. And then um, within about 23 months, we did a full cash out refinance, got 100% of our our money back. And so uh, we have uh, no money in the deal and it's an infinite return, kind of the uh, what like the purple book says, right? The Robert Kiyosaki uh, thing, you want an infinite return on that. And so that ended up being a great opportunity for us because multifamily is so cool. You can push the, uh, you can force the appreciation, right? And so we were able to improve the units, increase rents from as low as $500 to Today it's probably pushing eleven hundred, right? With wow! The rehab that we more had, than we double. Completed. Yeah, exactly. And so that's how we were able to kind of cash out, refinance in very short order, right? So you said eighteen months, twenty three, yeah, twenty three months on that one, yeah, twenty three months, months uh, from beginning to end. While and, and so it, it, but it takes. I think the background that my partners and myself had, you, you have to be able to deal with people relationships and motivate individuals to keep things moving along the dial and then having those great relationships. Initially, we were going to sell it. We put it up for sale. And then the numbers came in that, hey, we can actually cash out, refinance, get 100% of our capital back and then keep this as an infinite return. So it, it can be done. You know, if someone told me that, oh, that's the, someone said, oh, that's a unicorn. Well, our second deal which I got off market from the same broker while I was while we were rehabbing this first one, right? Where we we're going through the process on it, uh, did the exact same thing. We got about 80, 90% of our capital back on that, that, that one now, and that's a cash flowing asset. So um, it can be done. And so you just have to kind of take those, uh, like even mentioned, um, people will always be telling you this can't be done, but we have right. to have that mindset as, um, how can we make this done or who can we get involved to help us get to that point? Right. So and I, I get really enthused when I talk about multifamily. It's, it's, it's like I like I said, it changed my entire outlook on what is possible. Right. So it's, and it's sharing huge. with others is what I right. love to do and helping others out and giving back to the community that has been so good to me uh, uh, that, 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 and meeting great people like yourself and and others in the industry. So. But you know what? I mean. Hats off to you and your partners. You, you know, you people don't come and knock on the door and just hand it to you. Like, so, you know, education is very important, but then at some point you actually have to take action. And it's a little scary when you're buying something because you don't know if you're, you know, buying at the top or if you're, you know, there's no, any investment you make, there's no guarantee, Right. And, but, you know, what you, what we learn is that all these other people have built tremendous wealth by doing this. So you kind of have to step off with a little faith, you know, and, and then take that chance. And then once you have experience and after that first deal, you, you put in the capital and then all of a sudden you do a cash out refi, get all your capital back. You still own the asset it's still appreciating. You're still getting cash flow off of it. You're like, holy cow, this is, this is real. Well, you know? and, and I think you, you, got, you hit it a, a great point. It's uh, a lot of times we, we, all of us, it's analysis, analysis paralysis, I call it, right? So we'll analyze a deal a hundred times. And if I look back on my prior deals, 
no pro forma that you put together is going to hit exactly what you projected, right? And so we can spend, uh, and I, we used to spend hours, uh, we, we, we met every single Monday and spent, uh, you know, from like, I think it was nine o'clock all the way to, to almost two in the morning sometimes, just underwriting deals. But uh, at some point, you have to take action and execute, right? So execution is the hardest part. And I think some of my background being uh, in a sales uh, revenue generating roles throughout my career, you have to execute or you have to close. And so that was one of the key things that I kind of uh, had to make sure we did or else we'd still be somewhat sitting on the sidelines, so to speak. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's, there are a lot of people that get involved in this space that get stuck in there. You know, uh, the underwriting and they don't, you know, go hard after a deal. And I don't know about you, but I, my experience with underwriting, and it's an important part, you have to go through it. And, and yes. in the beginning, you know, most people, including myself, stay extremely conservative. Because so when you do underwriting, people will teach you, okay, you take these numbers and put them here and you take these numbers and put them there. And then it's going to calculate the, re, you know, returns on the deal and, you know, the jet general partners, how much they're going to make and the limited partners, what they're going to make. But what they don't really go get into that much is that there are so many decision points when you're putting together that underwriting that if you take the conservative route on every one of those, no deal is going to look good. You know, so one, you know, hey, I can get a, you know, I could talk to the lenders and they say I can get a 3% interest rate, but I'm going to use three and a half, you know, <laughs> yeah. just in case. Hey, I think we could bring rents to 900, but I'm going to say 825. I, hey, I think that, you know, we could keep our expenses at this percent, but I'm going to put in a higher percent. Well, now all of a sudden, every time you make one of those decisions, it impacts the underwriting. And then there's experienced syndicators that know and are confident mm -hmm. that, Hey, look, unless, you know, the economy just tanks, you know, I should have a good chance of, of meeting this pro forma. And so they will, you know, not be as conservative and will, will offer a higher price because of that. You have a great point. I, I you know, just, just so everybody knows, I spent an entire year underwriting uh, deals without, we getting zero deals, right? So I was very much in that camp or the group that I was with was very much in that camp. And so, you know, and you know, one of the things, even with partnerships, you um, like, uh, if I had to reflect back, um, you want to partner with folks that actually know more than you at that time. So it was a, when I initially started, it was a group of four of us and we just underwrote, like I said, every Monday for four hours and, and we didn't get a deal for the whole year, right? But what that did was it built a lot of, um, it built a lot of understanding of how the numbers work and, and those types of things. And then at that stage, that's when I, I, I pivoted to the Arizona marketplace, right? Uh, and, and then just went, uh, went, went a different path uh, with some of those individuals, so. Fantastic. So first deal, 28 units. The second deal, what, what size was that? Uh, second deal was uh, off market, uh, 35 units, but we uh, just converted one of the offices over to 36 units. And uh, that is 80. Um, so that, that one, we got about 80% of our money back too. Same, same type of thing. So we sure. uh, redid all the interiors and um, 
pushed rent, doubled, probably got rent from 700 to about 13, yeah, 1300 right now, uh, pushing that's, rent, that's uh, which crazy. is great uh, across so the board. You start with 28 units, second deal is 35 units. So we're in the 60 unit range. That's yep. two properties. You have eight properties with over a thousand units. So you must have all of a sudden started looking at bigger deals. Yeah. Then we ended up uh, closing on another deal, 126 unit, uh, which happens to be for sale right now, branched off into the Tucson market and grew that. And then this, this week has been an awesome week. We closed, uh, uh, 93 units, uh, just, uh, Tuesday, just a couple of days ago, we, we closed the 93 units, which, um, uh, was a complete off market, uh, deal that was with a broker. So, uh, it's, it's, it, what I say is, um, you know, a lot of people say, what about networking? I say it's, it's beyond networking. It's actually building a relationship with that individual. Cause we can all go out there and say, Hey, Darren, I want this. I want this. I want this, but how about uh, Darren? What what do we need to do to partner together to try to see if we can obtain that? And so, yeah, that that was a, a great deal. Mostly two bedroom, two baths, uh, and uh, we got our property manager managing that. So we just closed on that one. So we're super excited uh, uh, with, with with that one. Uh, but that was truly off market too. We were the only ones that he actually went to. So sometimes people say off market, and off market still goes to thirty of the their closest friends, sure. the brokers, and then it gets narrowed down to a second best and final, right? <laughs> which is 10. And then right. you get the third best and final, which they, the, 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 the seller may make a decision on. Right. So there's definitely different levels of off market, but <laughs> the thing is, is that, you know, until you build the relationship with the brokers, you're not yep. going to see any off market deals. Yeah. yeah. You know, well, so they're cautious. yeah, they're, they're pretty cautious about that because you know, they're, they're putting their, their, um, they're at risk too. If, if the person doesn't have the ability to close and most newer individuals in the marketplace uh, might not have that same ability to close as opposed to somebody that has experience. So, like I said, if I had to do it over again, I would probably immediately partner with somebody that has, uh, has, has done it in the past. Right. So. A absolutely. And, you know, so a number of things had to happen. One, you know, you develop the relationship with brokers, with partners, and and you talked about mindset earlier. And you started with 10 single family homes, a couple duplex, you know, some duplexes yeah. and fourplexes. And now you're just rattling off like it's no problem. Like, oh yeah, I just did a 126 unit deal and 93 unit deal. Like, and that comes from experience and it comes from, you know, layering one piece of knowledge and one experience on a deal to another and, and continuing to level up, you know, you, everybody starts with their first investment property. So don't, you know, if you don't have it yet, don't, you know, beat yourself up. Everybody starts with the first one, you know, get some experience and then figure out how to go to the next level. And then really it's about, uh, after that, it's building a team too, right? So I've managed uh, pretty large teams in my corporate career. And so how do we build a partnership and a team with individuals that uh, can take us to the next level? And so, you know, my current, uh, well, and I, I started a, a new company at the beginning of the year here and, uh, well, first left my corporate job at the end of 2020, which was, um, Good was, for you, man. was awesome to focus a hundred percent of my efforts on, uh, on uh, multifamily. And so we've created, and I partnered How up with- How did the um, wife feel about that? Uh, you know, everybody is, uh, you know, 
She was a little bit uh, uneasy at first because uh, she she really uh, spent most of her time uh, uh, watching over our 10 single family homes and as the real professional on that. Um, but it, it really didn't generate a, a, enough of the income to uh, cover everything I was doing on a W-2 perspective. But we do forget those, um, you know, every time you make an extra dollar on the W-2 side, you get you get taxed even higher. There's a lot of great tax advantages if you follow what the government tells you to do when you're an entrepreneur, right? And especially an entrepreneur within real estate with all the great tax benefits with the depreciation provide, right? So so I think when we and lining it all up and doing the analysis, uh, you know, it, it all worked out. And I did have a, a, quite a few passives under my belt as well. So, you know, I wouldn't say go out there and exit your corporate job, uh, that quickly or right. I, well, I didn't, I, you know, a lot of people, I, 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 I grew, grew a great corporate career, paid me extremely well and uh, was in a sales oriented revenue generating environment. So taught me a lot of the skill set. So I'd say corporate America was awesome to me and it was a stepping stone to get me to have the success that I'm uh, having today in the multifamily arena. Right. So, so why you, you loved it. Why did you leave? Well, so a couple of things. There's uh, one of the things that uh, it does is it takes. So there's a lot of sacrifices that you do in if you in corporate America. If you want to climb the corporate ladder, you can ask anybody. Uh, there's sacrifices. So I sacrificed a, a lot of my time and family for dollars. Right. And uh, I mean, example is driving from Orange County to L.A., or Glendale every single day, right? That's a two hour commute. So getting up at 4.30 in the morning so that I can get there by uh, 6.30 so that I wow, be that's a, traffic that's a bear. to make sure that I am at the top of my game and staying there until eight o'clock at night to ensure that I miss traffic. And so, yeah, there's a sacrifice of missing uh, those things. And so could I continue to stay in? Could I have stayed in corporate America? Absolutely, I could have stayed. But at some point, um, our time is very limited here, right? So I'm probably in the second half of my uh, life now. And, uh, you know, um, it, it's up to the the great creator that uh, created all of us upstairs on, on you know, um, our days could be numbered. And so we have to take advantage of spending time with our family. And uh, so now, now it's about me giving back to the family you know, to my family on some of the things that I did miss out while I was, you know, climbing that corporate ladder. Those are the things that, hey, I'm, I'm pretty open and honest about those things, right? So that that's what the sacrifices are for those that um, um, do want to climb up. But another option too is, hey, f- oh, do a great job. I always say this, do an awesome job at your current job and then great things will happen, whether you're climbing the ladder or you're a W-2 individual and you're in the accounting department or legal department or whatever department you're in, focus on doing a great job there and then build maybe um, a build on your passion. And if that's real estate or that's products or solutions or anything else, build on that passion alongside of that. And all of us, uh, and then you, you, you'll feel really good about having this kind of that side hustle there. Uh, absolutely. So like I, I, uh, I've made some good money in, in W2 jobs and, yeah. you know, in that, when I was in that role, I was making really good money and I, I just, just was socking it away like in 401ks and ETFs and, yeah. you know, um, I, I didn't know you could passively invest, you know, so I wish that I had known syndicators. I was living in South Florida. I'm in Dallas now, but I was living mm-hmm. in South Florida and 
I wish I could have, you know, siphoned off 50,000, 100,000 and had them work it. And so like, I've got a passive deal right now and I'm sure you've had this experience too. I invested 100,000 three years ago and they just sold the property, closed, I think last week or, the, or early part of this week. And I'm being told I'm going to get my 100,000 back plus more than 100,000. And <laughs> in, that in three years, and I didn't, I didn't manage the, that deal. It was passive. I wired the money into that deal and then they worked it and increased the value. And so, I mean, there's a lot of different parts that you can play. So when you got into the larger deals, you, you had to start marketing and bringing in investors, I imagine. Um, where did you find those investors and how did you build trust with them? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the investors, well, so a lot of the investors came from uh, my network, right? So just the individuals that I've worked with in the past. So if I look back on even the one we just closed, uh, I have uh, competitors of mine that are invested with me. You know, when I was in my prior roles, I have um, vendors that are invested with me, fellow associates, clients as well have taken the the, the step in there. And a, a lot of it is, um, and, and they, they've done quite a bit of research. It's, it's about, um, you know, that you hear this phrase out there, but they have to know, like, and trust you, right? And trust is a, a, a big factor there. So if they can trust that you're going to come through with that, uh, with whatever the end result is, they're going to um, be willing to put some dollars on it. And some of them have seen me in my career, like on the real estate side, hey, he's done it on the single family. He, he has a portfolio now on the multifamily. And so we're going to put some dollars in and then, you know, surprisingly, they, they they did that. And I didn't talk a lot about what I did on when I was in my um, corporate role. It would just there's almost a little bit more of a conflict. Um, you know, what, where am I focusing my time? Am I focusing growing the organization, uh, the W2 side, or am I focused on growing uh, my own business? Right. And so I had to be focused on growing the corporate job at that time. So I really never kind of cross both. So that's why you even see on social media, I'm not that strong at it because, all right, I'm not that present. At least I wasn't. I'm, I'm trying, I'm starting to push more today. Yeah. So, I mean, no like, and trust, you hear that over and over and over again. And that's so mm -hmm. important. Um, and, and the other piece is people have to know what you do. They have to know, like, if you don't, if you don't tell anybody that you're investing in real estate, <laughs> you know, know. They're, they're not going to invest with you. Like do you, you have to somehow let people know what you're doing. And sometimes it takes a while for them to, you know, they'll, they'll watch from the sidelines and, you know, I have some golfing buddies that, you know, they know that I've invested in a lot of deals and, and they're, they were waiting to see if, yep. you know, do you, are you making going to make any money on it? You know? And, and now they're like, holy cow, you're making that much money off that? You know, so um, sometimes people need a little bit of time, but, they, but you have to let people know what you're doing. Um, so huge, huge, huge. Um, talk about reputation. Reputation, you know, um, in a lot of different capacities in this business means a ton. So talk about what, you know, what do you think about reputation and where does it play you in? Know, I, I always say um, reputation uh, takes years and years to build, but it can be taken away in the snap of the finger. 
right? So uh, that that's one of the key things, and it is all about reputation, right? So uh, and, and with that, you have to be you have to communicate when when not so positive things happen, which they do. You have to very much communicate with your investors, communicate with uh, those that um, are involved with the project. And if you over communicate, I think people actually understand because because nothing's perfect out there. We don't we don't live in a perfect world, right? And so. But yeah, that's kind of the slogan that I go by is, you know, your reputation is everything there and boom, snap of the finger, it can't be, it can't disappear after. Yeah. You and you brought up through. communication. I think that that's key. So when you're in the deal, you know, when it's, it's different, somebody that hasn't passively invested, it's different than going and buying Amazon stock. You know, you buy the, buy the stock and it, you know, it's liquid and you can sell it tomorrow. You, you, you know, if you want to know more information, you could read the, the uh, 10K or the 10Q. Um, but, you know, with, with these multifamily syndications, whoever is putting the sponsorship group, somebody is going to be sending out a monthly email that has a written update. Like, here's what's going on in the property. And I'm in a lot of deals. And some of them are like, hey, everything's good. Here are the reports, you know? And then some of them, they take the time and they're like, hey, Here's the good, here's the bad, here's the ugly. And I know I appreciate reading that and it makes me feel like I'm in good hands. And then they, you know, when, when there are challenges, they, they go and they discuss, okay, here's what we're doing to, to counter those challenges. Um, I also know on, on my deal that I've had people say, I appreciate that you share the bad, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. look, it's so much easier as the syndicator to send out the email saying everything is great. Cash flow is amazing. You know, but when there's a challenge, it's like, Oh, I, you know, this is, it's kind of a bummer news, but you have to share it. Yeah. Well, most, most people don't want to share negative things out there. So I've been in quite a few deals just like yourself. And I have some that have, I don't even know when the communication comes out. Right. And then, um, You know, and so, so as a passive investor, because uh, we're both in passive, uh, quite a few passives, th- th- that's what you have to look for. So, you know, I, I would uh, dig deep on who the syndicator is, what they've done and, you know, ask them for their past performance. And, uh, well, you know, what 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 makes them stronger? Because everybody out there is going to probably, you know, a lot of the syndicators out there are going to say the exact same thing. We're going to give you an 8% cash on cash return, or we're going to give you a, a 1.75 to a two multiple within five years, you know, and then so, uh, so they all look, all the deals look the same. So, and they're all probably pretty close in terms of that, because there's no perfect pro forma, but then who do you really trust? Who, what, where do you put your reputation? You know, does that person have a reputation that is very positive out there, even when times are tough? Uh, and so I think that that's crucial across the board, if you, if I'm looking from a passive perspective, I would uh, make, I would learn, knowing what I know today, I would have not invested with some of the people I invested with on a passive side before. So. Well, yeah, you learn from that and you also <laughs> learn, um, you learn your own style, right? You yeah. learn like, Hey, I like what this guy's doing. I'm going to take, steal that and use that, you know, when I do it. And then I don't really like how they're approaching this. So I'm, I'm definitely not going to do that. Um, but, you know, on the, on the trouble side, you know, from other career paths, and I'm, I have to imagine that you went through it too, building an organization in this insurance business. Sometimes when you have a client that has a problem, 
and you don't ignore it, but you actually tackle it and help that client, that client could end up being like your best client ever from that point on, because they're like, you know, he didn't have to do it. You know, it was, it was a pain. He spent a lot of time and didn't get paid for it. Yep. And now I want to give that guy my business. Well, and I, I think that goes with everything. So a lot of times, even where it's a, whether it's a disagreement or um, even disagreements, right? Disagreements among people sometimes actually bring them closer together, right? Yes. And it's right. how we react after that disagreement and how we solve for it. And so the ability to solve some of the issues there, they actually trust you if you can continue to give them the feedback and you connect with them. Absolutely. So talk eight properties, talk about one challenge that came up and how you guys overcame it. Yeah, I would say uh, probably the first couple was uh, the property managers, right? So we've had uh, to go through a few, you know, let me think, one, two, three, I think three property managers to get to where we're at today. And so um, just having, uh, that's never an easy discussion when the property manager isn't doing what they're doing. They, they, they have busy jobs though too, right? So if you think about their managing, could be 80 different properties, that regional, or it could be 20 different properties the regional has. It just depends on how the setup is. And then uh, just having those tough discussions and getting things moved to the top of the list, right? So a lot of times uh, what I'd say is uh, the squeaky wheel does get the oil out there. So if you just sit back there and assume that the property manager is going to manage it, that's not going to happen. You know, um, one of the key things that we pride ourselves in today is ensuring that we, the operations piece, right? So having those weekly meetings and then going through exactly where the leases are on them and staying into the detail. So we have them weekly. And then once things start moving well, we move them to maybe uh, biweekly, et cetera. But that, that was probably the biggest obstacle there because once you start seeing some of the rents, especially when you have smaller properties and then they're not being leased up, that's a challenge for everybody. And so uh, that, that would, I would say that was probably the, the biggest thing. But once you build all of that uh, and you build those relationships with the, the, the property managers, uh, and we have multiple property managers we work with, some are for the little bit larger properties, some are for that mid-tier property, and then sure. some are for those, the smaller ones, like the, 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 the 28 unit ones, right? Which are, which are really considered, not, not considered large, but I still consider them pretty, pretty decent size too, so. Right, so... That's a pretty difficult decision to make. Like how you, so you buy a property, you have a third party uh, manager on the, on the site, you live in a different state. And at some point, you know, you've already had discussions like, Hey, look, these are the objectives and you need to, you know, you know, meet these objectives and, or let us know what, what's stumbling block. And, and you just see that they're not accountable to that. And at some point, you have to make a business decision. Hey, look, I'm, I'm going to swap out and bring in a new property management company. And that's kind of a pain in the butt because, yep. you know, it's new people. The, the new people have to deal, you know, are dealing with all the tenants. The tenants know the other person. Then there's new accounting software that yep. they use and they, they've got different, um, you know, company procedures. All of that is, you know, it's a hard decision to make, but that's the type of decision you have to make if it, if the, if the results aren't there. And you have to do it quickly too, right? So 
Uh, I think we did that within the first couple months. And so a lot of times, like, uh, you know, I'm all about giving people second chances, third chances. Um, but if you have a and one thing that I'm pretty good is I have a pretty good intuition on things, too. If if we can get to that next stage, can we get from point A to point B? It doesn't have to be a perfect straight line. But if we can actually get to that point B and there's always going to be ups and downs to kind of get there. But if I don't think we can do that with the existing team that's in place, and this is maybe what cor corporate taught us is uh, you have to find the right team members that can get us there. And so we just kind of moved them pretty quickly uh, off. It, discussion was not easy. I, I remember it actually pretty vividly right now, and I had to have that. But, uh, uh, you know, they, they understood. They didn't come through with their side of that. And, um, uh, you know, they were, they were a little upset at first. But then at the end of the day, we um, kind of parted ways. And then uh, things, things are fine, fine uh, across the board. And now we've engaged with a, a new property manager. So I say when that happens, you have to address it up front. Because we we all in the background can and we all do this. We can complain. Oh, how come they're not doing? How come this is well? Let's just have a, a meeting. Let's uh, pretty basic things. Have a meeting. Put it down on paper. Who's going to be the responsible party? And if we can't, if that responsible the responsibility still can't get can't be completed, then hey, we've we've done the best we can, and we just have to pivot and go a different direction, right? So, uh, it's but they're not easy discussions to have, and that's why multifamily real estate is a people business too, right? So people sure. think, oh, I, I know how to underwrite. Uh, so does all of the other 10,000 people out there. The, other, the, other, the, 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 the softer skills is what I believe is what helps distinguish the, the great syndicators versus the good ones right out there. That, that's so. huge. So what's uh, the next big stretch goal for you? I mean, look, you're invested in over 3,000 units, 1,000 as, as a GP. You know, where, where do you see you going from here? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's really uh, growing our team, right? So I have a, a, a great partner. It's Jenny Gu, and uh, she came from a very corporate background, uh, uh, sales strategy, and super strong on the operations side, something that um, I... I um, you know, the asset management piece. And so she's the one that's leading that piece. And so we're growing our teams, right? So I'm focused mainly on um, sourcing deals, acquisition, working on relationships. She's she's overseeing our investor relations uh, slash uh, operations, mainly asset management. Going to be bringing in somebody to help us with the investor relations uh, to help manage our database. And then cool thing is we have... Um, an underwriter as well. So he's a former rocket scientist and uh, Very so he cool. actually launched rockets, right? So we always say if he can launch those rockets, then um, uh, he can actually do the underwriting or, or, or launch a multifamily uh, underwriting plan. So I think it's just growing the overall business to be able to su su support um, our growth and, you know, massive goals, uh, you know, try to, to just grow the business in the, the favorable market that we're sitting in today. Oh, so. Fantastic. So something you did when you pick your, your partner, Jenny, I mean, like, look, when you pick partners, you ideally want to pick partners that complement one another. Like, look, if you're really strong in one area, but weak in another, you know, pick a partner that's strong in that area rather than, you know, have three people that look the same and like to do the same thing. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, a piece of the business isn't being looked at. Um, you know, the way it should be. So that that's huge. What do you like to do outside of work? So outside of work, uh, I'm very active in my uh, local church, right? So that's an important thing there. I'm part of the uh, pastor parish board. 
which uh, basically uh, we, we review uh, the pastor and all the staff, right? So that's always uh, keeps me busy. And then uh, enjoy a little bit of a need for speed too on the outside. I um, uh, like to go fast. What, what does that mean? Like drive fast? Drive. Uh, like you, like know, you have a lot of speeding car, tickets? Car what does that mean? Car, car, Car and motorcycle, right? So, oh, you know, nice. So, so just you're, a little bit, of, a little bit of that. So, but do you do you have a motorcycle? Uh, yeah, I do. I have a, a Harley. Uh, oh, you nice. Know, that, uh, nice. I, I, it's actually been sitting in the garage. I haven't had a lot of time to to ride it, uh, but uh, yeah, I have that. And then, well, uh, if I come out there, you know, I might have to rent one and and we go <laughs> for a ride. I love riding. I don't have a bike. Um, okay. Okay. But I, I, you know, I'm in Dallas. I last year I I. Um, rented a Harley and, you know, kind of like one of these Airbnb for motorcycles and drove down to Austin and met with some real estate guys down there. And I got like my, my, you know, my motorcycle fixed for a little bit, but I I love to ride. And and so we'll have to do that. I saw that. I was like, that's a long ride on a Harley. It was, it was, it was a long ride, but like, I was like, how did Darren do that? I saw, I saw the picture. I'm like, he went from Dallas to Austin on a Harley. I was yes. like, I don't think I would do that. So, <laughs> and, well, when I came back, I did have the discussion with my with my wife. I was like, you know what? I probably would have been better to drive down and then yeah. rent a Harley down there and just go around the cool areas. Yeah. Like, so you know, who knows? Maybe that's and the, you still have your teeth, thing. right? They didn't. They didn't like uh. right, right. <laughs> exactly. The other thing is, I have like this. Uh, I've had this like dream since high school that I'm going to drive cross country on a motorcycle and yeah. driving from Dallas to Austin, you know, made me question like, do I really want to do that? Like, yeah. or do yeah. I just want to drive and trailer a motorcycle somewhere and, and then ride it in cool places? Yeah. Um, no, that, no, that's great. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. So that's awesome. So um, how, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way? I know that you guys just came out with a new website. Um, yep. You know, talk about that and, and where listeners could reach you if they want to reach out. Yeah, uh, you can connect with me at Stephen at VerticalStreetVentures.com. That's S-T-E-V-E-N at VerticalStreetVentures.com. Or you just go to our website and you can set up a meeting with us. There's a uh, an app right on there and you can set a meeting with myself, Jenny, or both of us uh, at the same time for 30 minutes and love to have a discussion with you. And thank you, Darren, so much for having us on. It's been great. Absolutely. Uh, great to connect with you again and um, looking forward to uh, 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 better things for uh, more things for both of us. Right. Uh, a- absolutely. That's that's so awesome. uh, the website again is, is vertical street ventures.com. Um, and he gave his website. I'll have both of them in the show notes. Um, I love the fact that you're rocking it. And, I, you know, I love knowing people that, you know, have, are taking action and are seeing success. And, um, you know, who knows? This is a small world. You know, we may end up partnering on a deal here or there. Absolutely. And um, if not, we'll get out and ride together at some point. So I appreciate you coming on. Uh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed that one. Until next week signing off. Thank you for listening to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show at darrenbatchelder.com. If you liked the episode, please provide us with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. If you already provided us with a five-star review, then thank you. And please share the show with a friend.